This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Good afternoon. Comparative medicine has a long and strong tradition at UC San Diego, going back to one of the godfathers of the field, Kurt Banishka, who was actually one of the founding members of CARTA. But comparative medicine tends to focus on similarities in diseases between different species. But when it comes to anthropogeny, we are more interested in differences between humans and our closely related cousins, the great apes. So my own interest in this area began uh, in studies of sialic acid biology, which covers the surface of every cell in the body, in which we discovered a gene that was inactivated two to three million years ago in the human lineage, changing all the cells in our body in many different ways, but that's a different story. That got me interested in human origins and then raised the question, given my medical background, are they human-specific diseases? And what would be the criteria for such diseases? They should be very common in humans, but rarely reported in closely related species such as great apes, even in captivity, and they could not be experimentally reproduced in such species in the days when such studies were allowed. The caveat is that reliable information is limited to data on a few thousand great apes in captivity, mostly chimpanzees. But these chimpanzees were cared for in NIH-funded facilities with full veterinary care and thorough necropsis is death. So they have very good records on these uh, chimpanzees. So my work in this area could not have been possible without my spouse and long-term collaborator, Nissi Varki, a comparative pathologist who actually trained with Kurt. And over the years, we have visited several of these primate centers and tried to learn about human chimpanzee diseases, done some work in the lab, and published papers such as these. And updated to today, we have this long list of candidates for these human-specific diseases divided into definite, probable, and possible only some of which I can comment on uh, with some focus on our own work. Perhaps the most dramatic difference is in heart disease. When I first went to visit the Yerkes Primate Center, I asked the veterinarians, what's the commonest cause of death in chimpanzees? They said heart attacks and heart failure. I said, oh, that's just like humans. And Nissi went later and said, no, you didn't look at the pathology. It's a different disease. And it turns out that heart disease is common in humans and chimpanzees, but is caused by very different pathological processes. So the process you're familiar with in humans is called myocardial infarction. Coronary thrombosis blocks the blood vessels and, uh, to, in the coronaries and causes loss of heart muscle. In the chimpanzees, what they, and all the other great apes actually, it turns out they get massive scarring of the, of the, of the heart muscle. And that's what they really die of. So actually, the commonest cause of human death, uh, in fact, probably going to be the commonest cause of death of people in this room, unfortunately, uh, does not occur in chimpanzees, great apes, or any other animal that we can come across except in very contrived experimental situations. So this is actually not new. It's just we wondered why this was not reported, and it turns out the reason is that Chimpanzees were placed in captivity by NIH as models for human diseases. So whenever things are similar, you find a lot of reports. Whenever they're different, they didn't say much about it. But in fact, the veterinarians are very familiar with this problem. And since then, there's been this uh, formation of this uh, 
Great Ape Heart Project, which tries to address this issue. And there are two mysteries. Why do we not suffer from this fibrotic heart disease, which is clearly present in the common ancestor of great apes? And conversely, why, they, why do they not get the disease that we get? So this is ongoing work, and we and others are doing. Another classic human-specific disease is malignant malaria, plasmodium falciparum. Horrible studies done in the 20s and 40s where there were two-way cross-transfusions between chimps and humans infected or non-infected with malaria. No evidence of cross-infection. And the conclusion was, well, the parasites look the same under the microscope, they are different. An updated view of this is something that Pascal Ganyu and I summarized from the work of many people. It appears that there are many common uh, mild malarias occurring in great apes in Africa, which are not transmissible to humans because they bind the non-human sialic acid. That may be one of the reasons. And perhaps when we lost this target, we had a free ride from malaria for a million years or so. That's, of course, speculation, but the parasites always win in the end. And a single transfer from a gorilla to a human at some point, probably 30, 40, 50,000 years ago, came in with a, with a parasite that is now binding the human-rich sialic acid. And then, of course, we spread across the world and took the mosquitoes with us and expanded their base and so on, and the rest is, is malignant malaria. Another classic example is typhoid fever. Again, horrible studies done in the 1960s, large dose of S-typhi, did not give severe or complicated forms of typhoid fever in chimpanzees, and the bug didn't survive a long time in the chimpanzees, and they were much less sensitive to the typhoid toxin. The toxin is the secret. So if, as my collaborator Jorge Galan likes to say, if any of you get a garden variety salmonella from contaminated dairy products, you think you're going to die. If you get typhoid fever, you are going to die. It's, in fact, a very high mortality untreated. And the reason is that there's this very potent toxin produced only by this one strain of S-typhi that infects humans, and it has adapted itself to humans. And a summary of a lot of work with other collaborators suggests that what's happening is this toxin has become highly specialized in seeing the human cell surface and doesn't react very well with the ape cell surface. Another dramatic example is cholera one of the most deadly diseases that afflicts, uh, still afflicts many populations. Many of you are probably familiar with Robert Koch's postulates for microbial diseases. Microbes should be found in abundance in all organisms suffering from that disease, should be isolated from that organism grown in pure culture, should then cause the disease when reintroduced into a healthy organism, and should be re-isolated and shown to be identical to the original agent. Robert Koch had one failure to fulfill his postulates. In 1884, he complained. Although these experiments were constantly repeated with material from fresh cholera cases, our mice remained healthy. We then made experiments on monkeys, cats, poultry, dogs, various other animals, never able to arrive at anything in animals similar to the cholera process. And to date, cholera does not cause diarrhea in any adult animals. There are a few uh, unusual models of baby rabbits models, but basically no other animal. And we don't know the final answer, but again, uh, this sialic acid difference being studied, we've recently published suggesting that this is one of the major reasons and the various mechanisms I won't go into. Gonorrhea. Sexually transmitted disease, 100 million new cases a year, 
One third of multi-drug resistance. High frequency of asymptomatic infection in females causes pelvic inflammatory disease and infertility. No occurrence in other species in nature. Early disease model in chimpanzees in the days when that was allowed was not successful. We now have molecular evidence, we and others, that human factor H is selectively bound by the gonorrhea organism, not chimpanzee. And we are studying human innate immune receptors that are engaged by human siglex uh, and not by chimpanzee siglex on the gonorrhea organism. Again, this is a very recent publication if you're interested. Again, I'm not suggesting we found the answers, but we found some of the components of the answers. In the probable category, perhaps the most fascinating is carcinomas. To date, no captive great apes have been reported to have spontaneous carcinomas of the esophagus, lung, stomach, pancreas, colon, uterus, ovary, or prostate. A few liver cancers associated with experimental chronic active hepatitis in chimpanzees in the days when that was allowed. So Nissi and I looked into this literature, contacted various primate centers again, and wrote about the apparent rarity of epithelial cancers. And we conclude that while this relative risk is a likely difference between humans and chimpanzees and possibly other great apes, the zoos have much less numbers, a more systematic survey is required for validation of this claim. And we have potential mechanisms we and others are working on for this. But in fact, uh, <clears throat> as I said, these differences are actually well known to the veterinary pathologists. And recent times, uh, um, They've, they've gone back and done really more systematic surveys than we've done, and these are two recent reviews from uh, well-known veterinary pathologists and, uh, and uh, veterinarians, and they come to the same general conclusions that we come to. So, comparative medicine of humans and great apes. What do we know for certain? What are we reasonably sure about? Most reliable information arises from careful studies in captivity, but numerical significance is limited to chimpanzees. Of course, there are distinctly human conditions related to upright posture that I've not mentioned, such as difficult childbirth, spine and back problems, and other anatomic features of humans, unusual skin, sinuses, breasts, airway, anatomy, and so on, that result in certain diseases, which I have not gone into. Some major infectious diseases, common ones, appear unique to humans, we humans appear to have hyperactive immune responses by various criteria. This heart attack of the human type appears to be much more common in humans. Some great ape diseases relate to their own unique anatomy, for example, the air sacs that they have. Unlike most African primates, this is for the aficionados, the human lineage eliminated endemic infectious retroviruses. How did that come about? What do we think we know? What are we not sure about? To what extent are these disease differences related to aging and lifespan? What extent are they related to prolonged post-reproductive lifespan that you hear about? Are we really at greater risk of developing common cancers? Are we more prone to autoimmune diseases? Do we react more to chronic viral infections resulting more commonly in AIDS? A series of human-female reproductive conditions not reported in great apes to date common in, in, apes, in, in humans, and that are listed there, which I won't read, Pathology and progression of neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's disease appear more advanced in humans. How do we proceed? We need more mechanistic explanations on both sides of the coin. Are there great ape equivalents of human psychiatric diseases? We'll hear about that hopefully shortly. 
Can study of ancient hominin DNA that was mentioned uh, tell us about the emergence of unusual human diseases, also by distinctive genomic signatures in the, in the hominin genomes? Can we search this microbial contamination has been mentioned? Are the diseases similarities more prominent in great apes? So disease profiles of human and chimpanzees are rather different. Understanding the difference is the implications of anthropogeny. Chimpanzees are poor models of human diseases. Humans are likely to be poor models of many chimpanzee diseases. And there are serious ethical issues. Pascal Ganyo, Jim Moore, and I wrote in 2005 that we should be allowed to conduct research on great apes following principles as similar as possible to those accepted for human research. And we suggested that the human researchers should volunteer to be subjects in the same studies. But the pendulum has now gone full, full swing to the other extreme. NIH has ended all support for research on chimpanzee diseases. And the question is, will the ban on chimpanzee research actually do more harm than good? And so we've gone from being highly inappropriate to almost impossible to do what would be done in humans. Can we find ethically acceptable compromises? Can this aid conservation of apes in the wild and care in captivity? So the final corollary is that chimpanzees would benefit from more ethical studies of their own diseases. And so I think that's a good point at which to end, to acknowledge the great debt that we all owe to chimpanzees for what they've taught us about our diseases and not much about their own diseases. Thank you. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.